You're listening to the Weekend Sweep Sports Podcast. And welcome back to episode 13 of the Weekend Sweep Sports Podcast. It is Friday, February 25th, 2022. As always, I'm your host, Cameron Lane, with my co-hosts, Connor Lane and Gabe Dotson. What's up, everybody? Back for more. Lucky number 13. Starting off with the fast break here. Um, first, the Lynchburg Hornets um, in the opening weekend of the 2022 season go two and one against top fifteen um, t- top fifteen opponents. Boys um, are falling. Yeah, defeat number fifteen Trinity Texas four to three. Defeat Washington University um, from St. Louis, the number nine in the country, nine to five, and then ultimately fall to. Birmingham Southern, number seven in the final game, but kind of a game that we shot ourselves in the foot, left, I think, 18 runners on base. Um, so, but, you know, a lot of room to build. Pitching was pretty good that weekend, especially in the first game. I'll get to that later in the second game. Both of those games really shouldn't have been as close as they were. But um, And then just got a win the other day against Averett, 7-1. to one. So sitting at 3-1 and one right now, we've got a three-game series this week. Against Dickinson um, in the preseason polls, we're sitting at number 25. So coming out on March 1st, we have the new Division Three baseball ranking. So like to see where we stack up. Um, Show some respect. The, yeah, exactly. Um, next, we got the Daytona 500 results. Austin Sindrick gets the win. Um, you got anything on that? Nope. Yeah, there's a couple, <laughs> well, a couple different classes. Uh, excuse me, crashes going on in that race. So. Pretty wild. Uh, I haven't watched this in a while, but uh, I found myself off on Sunday uh, sitting down with Uncle Matt and my dad uh, <laughs> at the house watching that. So that was pretty cool. Um, next, Gabe, you probably talked on this DC United home opener on the 26th or tomorrow. Wow. Tomorrow, man. I'm you so, going to be there? I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm, of right. course, I'm in the building. I'm off this weekend. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been looking forward to this. They always started up here around the end of February, beginning of March. Uh, just went, got my new jersey that came out, was up there on Tuesday at the club shop, and they were doing a special. You got If you bought the jersey on that day, you got two free tickets to another game. So Really? I, uh, yeah, I got a couple extra tickets for later in the, uh, in the season. So, yeah, it's going to be a great – it's going to be a great one. We don't really have someone who is, uh, you know, like a superstar per se. Paul Ariola, who was playing for us, we uh, sent him to – FC Dallas, so he was like our uh, men's national United States men's national team player. Um, so really excited to uh, get into that. They got to make tomorrow. that push for, Na- for uh, Namor. I know. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say, um, <laughs> <laughs> get him to DC. Well, that's the nice thing is like you know we haven't won you know an MLS Cup since the early 2000s, late 90s. So you know we have four, and and that's the second most of anyone in the uh, MLS. So we, we have a, uh, you know, obviously we got Rooney here. We have an aura about us to where we're able to track the, uh, you know, the big names just based off of our club history. Um, so, you know, there's there's someone coming here over the next three to five years. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm my, I'm so happy to have season tickets there right above where all the players come out. And even, like, seeing the visitors, um, you know, being able to see all these big names there is, is exciting. Yeah, of course. Um so basically, still not really any closer to an agreement. Um, 
I think it's by Monday. If they don't get any an agreement done by Monday, that won't be paid for 162 games. So obviously, in turn, you're not gonna we're not gonna see a, a normal 162 game season. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating to see it. You know, you wish, uh, you know, there's arguments on, on both sides if you kind of follow along with it. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm selfish, man. I want to watch some baseball. Yeah. Yeah, I think the I think the whole country is kind of with you there, so I hope they can get that figured out. But um, so that concludes fast break. I'm getting kind of the main topics here. First, we got Jawan Howard fight against Wisconsin. Um, kind of wild. Um, you know, if you – look at a couple of the different videos, a couple of different angles. Um, and, and I mean, really didn't throw a punch. It was kind of just like an open, yeah, well, open hand. Just, yeah. yeah. He hit him with the Nate Diaz <laughs> stock and slap. Yeah. Just kind of, just kind of mushed him. But um, I kind of, I mean, I heard a lot. I mean, a lot of people thought he was going to get fired, but I think, you know, his only saving grace is, you know, his name. And, right. you know, the fact that he's part of the Fab Five and all that. I think if he's not, you know, if he's not who he is, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was kind of funny because like Gabe and I were texting that day. We we're talking about like I thought he was going to be gone, and I thought kind of that based off just the fact that uh, last year, you know, he got in a little scuff with Mark Turgeon, and like told Mark Turgeon during the game that he was going to kill him, <laughs> and just like between that and then uh, you know just this day, um, I thought it might have been the end of the road for him. Uh, but, you know, I, I think a suspension through the end of the year, um, I, th- I think that's definitely uh, – it, it definitely fits. Um, kind of interesting, the whole thing, right? I mean, he's mad because Greg Gard takes a timeout. But Greg Gard has put in his walk-ons, and Michigan is still pressing them, right? And I think there was like three or four seconds left uh, for them to get the ball over half court, right? So Greg Gard wants to put his guys in the best position, and so he takes his time out. And so if you listen to Greg Gard, his whole uh, reasoning for, you know, wanting to stop Jawan Howard there at the end of the game uh, was to explain that, you know. Now, um, you know, could Greg Gard have, you know, kind of stopped him in the tracks? You could argue that, right? Um, you know, he does did put his hands on Jawan Howard first. Uh, but, you know, that certainly seemed like he's just trying to explain, you know, what he was doing in that situation. Um, but then for, for my man Jawan Howard to just, you know, haul off and slap a guy in the face. I mean, and he absolutely thing, loses yeah. control of himself. Yeah, like this whole thing I thought was just going to be, you know, one of these like stupid standoffs you see in sports with like, you know, a bunch of just fake tough guys acting like they're being held back. <laughs> and then Juwan Howard just slaps my man. So pretty wild stuff. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's crazy. Um, yeah, even if you like, even if, even if he was like putting his hands on him first, like pushing him back, I mean – there was a good, what would you say, 30 seconds to where, you know, there was some separation trying to go on with other coaches. <coughs> Juwan Howard just made the decision to just pretty much wail on him. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Cam, you're exactly right. If, if he was anybody else, this dude would be fired. I mean, how do you, how do you, I, mean, I understand both aspects of it, right? And, and I understand how he only gets suspended, right? And doesn't get fired. But it's like, what kind of message are you sending to your team, right? There's a, there's a, there's a message that, you know, you're not going to take shit. But then you start seeing people start throwing throwing hands, right? And, and, a, and a fight breaks out. And we're almost in the, you know, we're almost in Detroit. 
in the you know in the rock <laughs> past days and 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 we're having well, what was the name of that again? it was like the malice the at the palace, malice malice the palace. The exactly palace. it's been a while since i've heard that right <laughs> but it's reminded me of that you know and, and could have very well turned out. and just think of all the alumni fans sitting there on the side just how worried they were and shook that they were about to get in a fight <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like it uh you know it didn't end up as terrible as it could have, but, you know, starting stuff like that for you know, pressing and, and taking an L, because I'm pretty sure Michigan, that was the game Michigan lost, right? Yeah, no, and, they and got their ass. They, got, they were getting busted. That was the problem. I couldn't remember who ended up losing that game, but I thought it was yeah. Michigan. And they've they've had a frustrating year. They haven't been very good. They were they, in, like, the Elite Eight. I think they were in the – I think they lost in the Elite Eight or the Final Four last year. They haven't been good since Mo Wagner was there, man. <laughs> the best thing they got going for them right now is the Jordan logo on their jersey. It's just like we we've said many times, people don't like getting their ass kicked. So yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, moving on, this is something we've talked about several times on here. How we thought it was a good idea um, expanding the college football playoff, but it came out the other day that the college football playoff will stay at four teams through the duration of the contract. And the contract isn't up until 2026 at the earliest. Um, so kind of unfortunate. But the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12 all voted against it. So obviously it's kind of, I don't know, sad to hear. I mean, it's cool. I guess it's nice that they're going to keep it the same way and just be traditional. But I think, it, I mean, in my opinion, it, it needs to be opened up a little bit. Yeah, you know, this really kind of surprised me. And, you know, you heard arguments from, you know, uh, all three of these conferences basically, um, you know, not wanting to add kind of the extra time or the extra games, uh, wanting to keep the same format they had with their conference and everything like that. Um, but, you know, it, you know, it surprised me, right, for the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12, right, who – by far, you know, out of the Power Five conferences, you know, the SEC has done football playoffs since it started, right? Um, and obviously, ACC with Clemson has been in a few times, and you know, the Big Ten with with uh, you know Ohio State and the Big Twelve with Oklahoma, right? Uh, but the, the SEC, for a large part, has dominated the college football playoff. Georgia being there consistently, uh, LSU being there, and obviously Alabama. Um, so you know, kind of kind of weird that those guys would vote against it. You think they would want more teams in there, so they would have the better chance of getting one of their teams in there to represent their conference. Uh, but you know, just just kind of a shame. Um, you know, I was hoping for a little bit of an uh, just because I do look and do look forward to those games so much. And uh, you know, you, it's it's kind of frustrating because you're to the point now, right, where um, a, like a one loss team from one of these conferences is not going to get in over a one-loss SEC team right now. That's just the way it's been and the, probably will continue to be. Um, so just just kind of interesting that they all voted that way. Also, I'm sure Gabe has something to say. I'm going to say this quick before he jumps in. But also, eventually at the point, um, you know, we saw this year and we saw every other year, there's, there are teams that, you know, maybe are one-loss team or they're an undefeated team, but they're not a Power 5 school. Cincinnati showed us that this year and, you know, they get there and, you know, they kind of lay an egg. So eventually people are really going to get mad when, you know, a non power five team maybe goes, you know, whatever, 12 and 0, whatever it is. 
And, you know, an SEC school or a Big Ten school with one loss gets in over them. Yeah, no, that's a good, good point, yeah, too. It's honestly, like, yeah, it's a conversation that goes on a lot right now. I feel like, what, like you know, we debated back in, you know, the beginning, uh, you know, of our podcast to end the year, right? But it would, would, would shook me, like, you know, that this is this, this is staying in place until at least 2026. And, you know, it, that they already have plans in place, right? They, they These things aren't, like, on a year-by-year basis. You know, they have, they have two, three, five, you know, 10-year plans in their mind. And, you know, this is a scenario where they, you know, they've decided, you know, to keep the format as it is. And, you know, as fans, we all, you know, we all want to see more. right? And it's surprising because of the amount of money that this allows them to make. Yeah, that too. And one day it's one day it's coming. Um, so it seems like we have to be patient right now. And just remember back to what we were working with before. Right. Where what was it prior to the college football playoff? It was, it was like, it was like yeah, it was BCS. The BCS and the top two teams. Are in. Exactly. So. You know, you you uh, you know things have changed, and the demand by the fans. You know, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah, that's actually a really good point too. Because if you think back to when we had the BCS, right, and the top two teams played for a national championship, we was we sat there then and we said, man, if if only four teams, if we put together a, a committee. And we could just have four teams play this thing out. All our problems would be solved. <laughs> and now here we are at four teams, and we're sitting here saying the same thing. Man, if we could yeah. just have eight teams in this, all our problems would be solved. You know, they'd switch it to eight teams, and you'd end up having like, you know, an but, eleven and two Baylor team at number say, nine, or the or the <laughs> or the Tennessee Titans could be the number one seed <laughs> somehow. Yeah, yeah, right. And so it's you know, it, there will always be issues with it. I'm sure. Um, but, but yeah, so interesting to see how this will eventually play out. Yeah. Um, next up we got the NBA all-star weekend. Um, awful. Just, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I will say, so credit, I was thinking about this the other day and credit to the MLB. The MLB is, I think now pretty much the only, you know, major sport where the all-star weekend, whatever you want to call it, is taken seriously. Um, which is good to see, you know, like the game aspect, obviously, you know, if you watch the pro bowl this year, a lot of people were unhappy with that. And then you watch the, um, the actual all-star game. Didn't they, didn't they play to like 160 points? Yeah. 60, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, so, uh, you know, you have, you know, baseball, obviously you're playing for something, right. You're playing for that, that home field advantage. Um, so it obviously matters a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just, I was sitting there thinking about like, I remember, um, you know, being like, you know, 11, 12 years old and like, I could not wait for the all-star weekend to come every single year. Like I looked forward to it. I loved watching. Like I, I would watch, I watched the whole weekend. I'd start on Friday night and I watched the celebrity game. I'd watch everything on Saturday and then I'd watch obviously the game on Sunday. I argue with mom and dad about like staying up late before we had to go to school on Monday. Like, I did that every single time. And then, like, this weekend, I flipped it on <clears throat> a little bit on Saturday night, watched, like, the end of the uh, three-point contest, um, and then, of course, watched, like, most of the dunk contest. And, uh, like, just, what a letdown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, like, you know, the three-point contest was, was still cool. Um, you know. Shout Captain out Luke Kennard. 
Cat winning that was cool. Yeah, of course, my dude Luke Kennard, shout out to him. Uh, he balled out. Um, but I mean, that dunk contest, man. I mean, like, we start this thing out with Cole Anthony taking a, taking 15 minutes to strap up his Tims, right? <laughs> comes out and, and then comes out and like take like four attempts to get his dunk, right? And then you know Jalen Green stands there. I mean, <laughs> did y'all see the the uh, the video of, of Kareem leaving the building while Jalen Green <laughs> was missing his dunks? I mean, <laughs> come on, guys! And then Obi Toppin, what he makes to the final round with a layup? <laughs> 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 made, made to the final round with a layup. I mean, come on now. I mean, we got to do better than this, you know. Hey, so, so I, you know, I saw you guys put this in our, uh, you know, in our notes for the week, right? And I. I love the all-star week and I always have like Connor has, and I still look forward to it. Right. Was the dunk contest absolutely garbage this year? It sure was, <laughs> but man, you can't tell me you didn't have fun. And it sounds like maybe you know, everybody here didn't watch it, but my man, Steph Curry was lighting it up on Sunday. Dude. Like just an absolute, like that is, and, and as less competitive as it is, right. Once you get to that, once you get to that fourth quarter, you know what I'm saying? They they start having some fun and, and really trying to lock down, especially when it gets to those last points. That that is good. You're right. But but the thing too is like, you know, it's a uh, you know it it is a lot of fun, right? And like you'll see some alley oops, you'll see some off the backboard self passes, right? And so it it gives it gives you you know, there's not a lot of defense obviously until those crunch time moments, but it is pretty fun. Um, you know, to watch those and just see someone like Steph Curry, you know, light up in that, right? And so I was thinking the other day after, you know, you know, watching the dunk contest, like how could this be made better, right? Like this is – they've tried to do this. They've tried to do that. They've tried to incorporate all of these different things. I think it's time because you see on social media, and I think these, uh, you know, these major sports, you know, especially in this scenario with the dunk contest, they need to – search through social media and get the four best dunkers out there that are random, you know, <laughs> natural, you know, average Joes, right? And they need to they need to have the four average Joes versus the four NBA professionals and you will have a true competition on what a dunk contest should be. Cause I guarantee you those average Joes in those limelight situations where they have to, you know, they get to show their stuff that they're doing every day practicing. I guarantee you it'd be a lot more exciting and there'd be a lot of shit talking by NBA players like, oh, you just got beat by average Joe and you start seeing some more, uh, you know, you know, interesting stuff and, and unique dunks coming out of there, um, you know, on All-Star Weekend. So I'd love to see that change. I don't know if that will ever be a possibility, yeah. but just something that went through my mind. That'd be yeah. Really cool. Yeah, that's really good. That's a really good point. I, I did watch a little bit of the game and obviously the Steph Curry stuff was really, really cool. Um, Steph Curry you know, still him shooting the lights out. <laughs> Yo, he is. You know why? Because I, they were like, underrated. they were like yesterday. I saw on on Sports Center. It was like, I think he he's Steph underrated. Finally passed Kevin Durant. I'm like, what? I said, my man <laughs> Steph Curry is years beyond Kevin Durant. I'm sorry, but Kevin Durant, you're my guy. But Steph Curry is years beyond <laughs> you, bro. Like you can't stay healthy, and, or or nothing. Steph Curry is is years beyond Kevin Durant. Uh, I saw that argument the other day. I'm like, come on. And I'll say, like, I feel like, you know, people who don't know the game, obviously, they know Steph Curry can shoot, but they don't, like, value all the other stuff that he can actually bring to the table. I mean, the dude's a baller. Obviously, can yeah. shoot the lights out, but, I mean, he can do it all, too. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. That's why That's why I brought it up. I, I, I feel like he really is still underrated. 
far as what he brings to basketball. Well, yeah. I think I think the 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 thing that comes along with him, right? People that that gives him that underrated feeling is because he is not someone. He's he's someone that's for the kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and what I mean by that is like he plays the game like so much, like so fun. You very rarely see him like, you know, as serious, or you never seen like a like a like a angry like face on him like you would like Kobe or LeBron, right? Where they're like, all right, they're about to lock in. Like Steph Curry's locking in by chewing his mouthpiece and pulling up half court, right? So, <laughs> you know, that's how Steph Curry has gained his popularity and and his love, you know, all across the globe. Is just he relates to children. Um, more so than any player in NBA history because those kids are just, you know, out there wanting to shoot three-pointers now, right? And you see it by how the game has changed. Like, they're watching him. They're practicing their three. If they can get that extra point, you know, why why not practice that, right? So I yeah. think where his popularity has kind of come and, you know, allows him to be underrated is because he relates more to children to those, than to those old-school, you know, traditional basketball fans who are, you know, in the paint, uh, you know, backing down and, and, and doing those things, right? And your skyhook jump shots and all that stuff, right? It's outdated. Um, and there's still those traditional fans out there that, you know, maybe don't appreciate the art of his shooting. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I will say, I mean, I, like I said, I watched that. I did watch some of the Celebrity Game, too, and that was kind of funny. It's always yeah. funny and entertaining to watch Jack some of those dudes. Yeah, I'm my man Jack my man Jack Harlow can run the point pretty well. And I'll say <laughs> MGK look like I saw a tweet the other day it was like MGK looks like the uh 2K creative player that you spent all the VC on tattoos and none on the skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that man was terrible. It's hard to see him. Yeah. Yo yo Miles could Miles Garrett play in the NBA like right now? Did you you see some of the highlights of him? Yes. Like that dude like you give him like just a little bit of time Jack to like learn how to like play basketball, right? Like I'm sure you, I'm I guarantee you you're probably like a hell of a uh, basketball player in like high school, but like give him a little bit of time with that body type, dude. Like I was just say 300, 300 pounds with ten percent body fat. I don't think many people. Yeah. I mean, they're not very many people that want to step in front of LeBron. Yeah, coming down sure. the coming down the lane. I don't know many people that want to step in front of him either. Exactly. So that's a I don't know. That's a good good question. Um. You got anything else on that? No, but just no. like just like you see that celebrity all star game where you have all stars playing in it. Like again, let's let's get some average Joes in that dunk contest, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, Saudi golf league. I'll let y'all, Connor, y'all take over this. Yeah, pop that in there. I was like, it was starting to get interesting after you mentioned it last week. I hadn't heard of it, so I was. Uh, I feel like we should kind of you know keep this in the in the rotation for a little while. Yeah. So this stuff is getting very interesting. I don't know what exactly you know you kind of look at um or or am um but so basically kind of what we were talking about last week these guys that were there's been rumored um let me let me pull up uh, i'll read a little tweet here um so this basically said that a prominent tour agent had told a a uh basically so hold on let me back up so there's this guy named alan shipnuck uh he basically had an interview with phil mickelson and we're going to bring that up here in just a couple minutes uh, but he is basically a, a prominent golf writer, and he tweeted last week. He said that he had talked to a prominent tour agent, and that the agent had told him that the Saudi league had uh, plans to announce that they had already signed twenty different players from the PGA Tour, and that they were expecting to uh, announce their tour during the week of the players, which is two weeks from now. Um, you know, the the PGA Tour's flagship 
uh, event. Uh, they were basically going to announce all the guys that are playing in it and then, announce, you know, where exactly the tournaments and everything was going to be. <clears throat> um, and so things kind of heated up last week where you started to have guys one by one come out and say that they were not interested in playing in this golf league. Um, you know, you could start with Roy McIlroy, who basically, when this came out, the, when this was just rumored a couple years ago, he came right out and said, I don't like where the money's coming from. Um, I, I'm going to play in the PGA Tour, right? Tiger comes out. Tiger says, you know, I'm a member of the tour. This is why I play golf. This is why, you know, this is where I'm going to play my golf. And kind of one by one, you see guys who start doing the same thing. Uh, you know, Dustin Johnson comes out. and He was one of the guys who was really rumored to be thinking about going to the Saudi Golf League. Apparently he had been offered – uh, you know, over $100 million or so to play in this league just to play. Um, he came out with a statement saying that he was dedicated to the tour. He wasn't going to go. And so this basically came down um, to the last two guys, Bryson and Phil. <clears throat> uh, Bryson releases a statement basically saying, well, if everybody else is going to play the tour, I guess I'll play the tour too. Right. And he was the guy that we talked about last week who apparently was going to be maybe the face of this thing with getting one hundred and sixty million dollars. And he comes out and, you know, with kind of a, a this week statement. Well, you know, the only reason I'm not doing this because everybody else is not doing it. Uh, Bryson's a weenie. I can't stand him, man. Uh, but so that finishes. Right. And then we come to Phil. Phil Mickelson, who is a guy who. In golf is really beloved. Right. Phil Mickelson is the guy who is a fan favorite. Right. Always talking to people in the crowd, always shaking hands, always giving thumbs up to people. Um, he's a guy who, you know, is a favorite among among golf people. Um, but it comes out this week that he's really the last guy standing in this Saudi golf league. And the um, Alan Shipnuck, the guy I brought up earlier. He has an interview with Alan Shipnuck because Alan Shipnuck is writing a book about Phil Mickelson that's going to come out this year. And really the book is going to highlight a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't know. And it's kind of going to show like a dark side of Phil from kind of what I understand. And so Phil basically tells this guy writing this book that the only reason he wanted to get involved with the Saudi Golf League was to use the, the Saudi Golf as leverage against the PGA Tour, um, he basically said, "I completely, I, I totally get that um, they are, you know, their government is a, you know, is a are scary mfers." Is the quote that he used? Uh, he said, "I understand. I know that they killed uh, the Washington Post reporter Jamal Khashoggi. I understand that they did that. I know that they have a horrible uh, record on human rights, but I'm going to still side with them because." I don't like the PGA Tour, and I don't think the PGA Tour are doing what they need to be doing, which is really quite a remarkable statement to make because, you know, I'm a pretty modest guy, right? Uh, Make a pretty uh, medium income, right? And, uh, you know, live within my means. And Phil Mickelson, who uh, has made like $100 million simply in earnings on the PGA Tour and has close to about, $80 $80 million that he's, uh, you know, accumulated over the years playing golf, playing golf, I mind you, um, is now going to come out and say, you know, that the PGA Tour is unfair. You know, it, it's just, it really rubs me the wrong way. 
because I mean, how many people would like to be in his shoes, right? <clears throat> how many people would like to uh, live the life he's lived, you know, and it's really quite remarkable. Um, you know, a bunch of people, you've seen people coming out, guys on tour. I mean, no one's really saying names or anything, but people are talking about, you know, this is a side of Phil that we've all seen for years and it's finally kind of, you know, coming out and, you know, where on one hand, you know, he is that, you know, super friendly guy that's always nice to everybody, always talking to everybody, shaking hands and doing all that. But then on the other hand, at the same exact time, he can be this kind of shady, conniving, you know, snake, just looking looking to to get every drop, right? Um, so it's re- really all kind of interesting. Um, where does it go from here? I mean, at this point, you basically got Phil Mickelson and maybe a couple other guys who are thinking about still playing in this. Um, Jay Monahan, commissioner of the PGA Tour, comes out and says, uh, you know, if you want to go play in that league, that's cool. You can go, but that means you're out of the PGA Tour. You're not playing in our events anymore. Um, so, you know, that'll be interesting. It'll, you know, just kind of all around, all around kind of crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm glad, you know, I, I love watching the tour. I love, I love what it's about. I think they do a lot of really good things, you know. Is there things that the PGA Tour could do better? Of course there are, right? Um, the, the, the same stroke play format every single weekend of the year, uh, yeah, that does get old, right? Maybe they could try something else. Maybe they could figure out other ways to, to do things, right? Uh, but overall, I mean, I think they put together. They put out a really good product, and, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just glad that uh, a lot of these guys um, have dedicated themselves to the Tour. Yeah, that's uh... – it's a lot of like good insight stuff on that. I uh, I had no idea really of any of that. I hadn't heard much of it, but that's interesting to hear because you don't hear stuff like about that about Phil Mickelson. Yeah, I it well, it's it's cool as well. Um, you know, just to kind of see what's going on with this because I've always thought like, hey, golf is golf, right? Like these are the rules. These guys play it. They get paid money to play it. You know, it's literally just like a a, a natural thorough competition each week when they're playing. Right. So now that there is a competitor out there, that kind of, you know, sparking interest and wanting to develop something, you know, it's put some pressure and, you know, allowed us to kind of see, you know, some background, uh, you know, some background noise about what's going on on the PGA, PGA and what people want to see change stuff like that. So interesting as we get into the, uh, you know, the season, continue to keep up with throughout and uh, i'm glad it's some material that we have to talk about each week yep all right uh move on now yeah good all right uh gabe europa league results yeah so we had uh we had some europa league games this week as well some champions league so tuesday and wednesday if you're not familiar um our, our champions league days and then thursday is uh europa league days so thursday or tuesday you had chelsea uh, beat Lyle 2-0, and then Juventus and Villarreal tied 1-1. Um, my guy, Vlahovic, for Juventus, has come in and scored like five goals in like three games since he's come over, um, and he's been an absolute baller. And then Wednesday, you had some ties. Uh, Atletico Madrid and Man United tied 1-1, and Benfica and Ajax tied 2-2. So first legs of those uh, those games, as we saw last week, we saw some uh, some of the first legs of P, uh, excuse me, PSG and Real Madrid. So uh, Champions League is in full effect. I guess now would be a good time to touch on that. Actually, we'll get into that here in a little bit and go over all the, 
the things that are happening on, on that side of the world in a little while. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Thursday. So yesterday you had uh, the second leg of the Europa League finals and Sevilla advanced uh, to the next round. Lazio uh, and Porto tied, which put Porto um, into the into the next round. So they, they did the aggregate goals that we were talking about. Still yeah. League, uh, as we mentioned last week. Um, Atalanta advanced in the Europa League finals, and then RB Leipzig won yesterday versus Real Sociedad and advanced. Um, and then Braga advanced today, as well as Barcelona Napoli was like the highlight of the, uh, you know, the tournament so far. And Napoli is obviously a great Italian side. And, uh, you know, Barcelona beat them 4-2 yesterday, so Barcelona's finally kind of getting back into a little bit of their form after they've lost some of their, uh, after they've lost some of their big guys. Uh, obviously, Barcelona haven't been in the uh, Europa League since uh, I think it was like 1990 or 1980 or something like that. So they're uh, yeah they're they're ready to win that and get back in the Champions League. Yeah, um, sucks because Erling Holland wasn't able to play in the game for Dortmund. Um, so the Rangers advanced yesterday and eliminated Dortmund from the uh, the Europa League. And Real Betis, who we got to see in DC United, uh, played DC United some years ago at home, uh, advanced their Europa League. So a little bit of rundown of that, kind of what's going on in, in that league, just to kind of keep us, you know, fluent as we don't have, you know, a main sport going on right now on the podcast. Um you know, to talk about. So these are some, these are some big things that, yeah, these, these things are going to definitely stay in the rotation with the podcast with us coming up, uh, you know, not having a major sporting uh, league going on at the moment. So uh, we look forward to, you know, giving updates about this and keeping everybody, you know, something to watch. If you, if you don't have anything to watch on a Tuesday, Wednesday, <coughs> Thursday, uh, two, three o'clock, and you're looking for some, you know, truly competitive, uh, you know, sports, that's a, uh, you know, that's that's your Champions League and your, uh, you know, your your Europa League. And honestly, any of your any of your soccer leagues on, uh, you know, ESPN Plus, Paramount Plus, as well as, you know, on on some cable as well are, are some great some great games to watch yeah. during the midweek times. Yeah. Connor, you got anything on the soccer side, man? Uh, not today. Not today. All right. All right. Um, next, we got the Olympics um, just finished up. In Beijing last week, uh, final medal count: Norway, Norway, with a, yeah, with a total of thirty-seven medals. Uh, the ROC with thirty-two, Germany twenty-seven, Canada twenty-six, and the U.S. coming in at fifth with twenty-five. So, um, what do y'all got to add for that? Yeah, disappointing showing for the United States, um, if you will. We're obviously used to uh, just dominating the, you know, the Summer Olympics. Um, now, obviously, you sound, it seems like Norway would have an advantage because they're able to, uh, you know, <laughs> compete at weather year-round uh, or, or, or a lot more than here in the U.S. So, um, yeah, we had some big athletes that kind of, uh, you know, were we had a lot of pressure on them and, you know, unfortunately didn't deliver. So I know that they're going to be going back, specifically like Michaela Schriffen um, in the skiing competition. She uh, – you know, she had a she had a tough go at it. So I look forward to her getting back at it and getting ready for the next Olympics because this is going to motivate her, and we'll we'll see some uh, some medals coming her way next time. Yeah, I got nothing much more to add. 
All right. Um, next we got JJ Reddick's recent comments um on Zion Williamson. Um, the way this all started, basically, who was the guy that the Pelicans picked up at the end of the deadline? I keep his name. Yeah, yeah, CJ McCollum. He, uh, so I don't know if y'all heard this, but for the viewers that haven't, so when he came to the Pelicans, somebody the other day asked him, and he's been there like two weeks. They asked him, they're like, oh, you know, how's your communication been with Zion or whatever, like stuff like that. And he basically came out and said that him and Zion had not talked at all. Um, you know, Zion hadn't reached out to him, all this. So JJ Reddick, it wasn't on his podcast. Um, it was on, I think he was on ESPN and he was talking about, he was like, you know, on all the teams I played on, I was never the most talented team or it wasn't the most talented on the team, but I always made sure I was a good teammate. He said, I always, you know, kept connections with people who were traded away from my team. And I also did a good job when somebody was traded to my team, whether I knew them or not, you know, reached out to them, made a connection with them and, um, you know, just formed a friendship and, you know, in his eyes was being a good teammate. And he said, you know, even when he played for the Pelicans and stuff like that, he said that, you know, Zion was kind of a, you know, a distant teammate. So, um, interesting comments about Zion because I've never really heard anything about that, you know, like that. But um, interesting yeah. for sure. He needs to he needs to chill, man. He's got to remember the brotherhood, man. Can't be uh, you know calling out the brotherhood like that. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I hadn't heard that. That's the first time I'm I'm hearing it. Um, I saw some. I didn't know the detail of the conversation. Obviously, I saw it come up on ESPN. But um, I mean, to be honest with you. It's I don't know, man. It's like maybe Zion's just going through it right now. Like he's he's maybe he's worried he's not going to play, you know, again or you know for a long time or something like that. So I mean, Zion has never struck me. The kid's like what? He, has he even turned twenty one yet? You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, patient here second, but it's like when he came in the league, the dude was like nineteen years old, right? And he's he's, he's twenty one. Just now, twenty. Just now, twenty-one. So it's like two thousand. <laughs> he's he's yeah he's a kid, dude, and he's been uh, in the limelight since you know his early years of high school with his mixtape stuff on YouTube. And by the time he got to Duke, the dude had a million followers on social media. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I I feel where JJ Reddick is coming from because I'm kind of like try to carry myself that way too whether it be new people you hire at work or people you've already worked with for years. But, I mean, you really don't – I don't know. I, I don't know the, the the negative connotation it had or if, if, if it did have that. Um, so correct me if I'm going too deep into it with that. But, you know, I uh, I don't know. Maybe Zion's just going through it, man, or that's kind of who he is. He's never he's never been – like he's a he's an incredible basketball player, but I, I don't know if I've seen him – as like that vocal leader yet, you know, Neither have I. In, in his, you know, in his tenure. So, you know, JJ Reddick, you're speaking about this from, you know, 20 plus years of, you know, NBA experience. So the kid's been in the league for two years and has only played one season. Right. So like, you know, again, he's 21 years old. Like let, let the dude be able to mature into a man and understand what those type of things mean, you know, yeah, maybe this situation will allow him to do that. You know. So. Yeah, and I and I I thought you know he definitely does kind of seem like more the lead by example type of dude, and not like right. very you know loud and stuff like that on the court. I did kind of find it surprising though that no one's kind of come to his defense. Right. Um, 
I thought for sure, you know, whether maybe it was somebody played with at Duke, you know, being RJ Barrett or somebody like, or maybe somebody on the Pelicans that he's played for or played with. I mean, you know, come to his defense. My novice man's a great teammate, all that, but we haven't really seen anything like that. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting, but like you said, who knows? It's, you know, something we're really never going to know the answer to unless either of us get picked up by the Pelicans. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, so let me comment on this. I got to, add to this so first things first on Thursday after Pelicans practice CJ McCollum told reporters uh basically to stop making a big deal about this whole thing uh he said that Zion is just trying to take time to rehab and people need to quote leave the young fellow alone right so it doesn't doesn't seem like it's that much of a problem. right um completely agree Zion is is Zion's not Tom Brady right Zion is going to be the guy that's the ultimate leader um, who, you know, is going to go out of his way to, to do that kind of thing, right? It doesn't surprise me at all that, you know, a 21-year-old kid didn't pick up the phone. And l- let me ask you this, Cam, right? You're 21, right? Uh, if, if, you know, you're here home from a break and mom's like, hey, you need to call the eye doctor and make an appointment today. How's that going to make you feel, <laughs> right? I say, can you do it? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, the dude's 21 years old. Like in this time in our, you know, in, you know, people nowadays, right. Like calling people on the phone is weird. Right. So like, just think about that whole aspect. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Well, you know? so what I think is, I think, you know, I don't think JJ Reddick did it maliciously. Right. right. Um, you know, I think he kind of just like was speaking from experience and yeah. I think it sounded worse than it was. I think he was just saying, you know, when I was on the Pelicans, um, you know, and that was when, you know, how, how many years ago did he play for the Pelicans? Did he retire with the Pelicans or was he somewhere else after? Uh, I don't even remember. I can't exactly. Well, like years that's, years. That shows you a lot about JJ Reddick's NBA career, first off. But what I'm saying is like, he was less than 21 years old then. So it was probably even less mature. Yeah, so exactly. like 19, him being, you know, just, yeah, distant, whatever, like, it's just hard. So, like I said, I don't think he meant to like call him out and say like, "Oh, he's a directly a bad teammate." I think he was just kind of like explaining the type of player Zion is, and I think it might just kind of sound worse than it really is. But yeah, who knows? I, told, I told you this too yesterday. JJ Redick here in the last few weeks, he's starting to get some fanfare, right? Like his yeah. podcast has gotten big. You're seeing him on ESPN every now and then. People are starting to talk to talk about him as, you know, being like a, a really good basketball analyst and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, is it in his – Is it, would it do J.J. good to have a little bit of a hot take on Zion and get and get his name posted everywhere? Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Right? It, it definitely would. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, like I've said over and over and over again, uh, I mean, fast forward back to Larry, rewind back to last year, the dude, you know, talk about All-Star Weekend, the dude is in the All-Star game and he averaged 27 points for the year, right? Yeah. Zion's going to be okay. Zion's going to be all right, okay? Everybody needs to just get off his back, stop harassing him, you know, he's going to be all right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will say, though, so first of all, no free shout-outs, but J.J. Reddick's podcast, The Old Man and the Three podcast on Spotify, is actually like a pretty cool – That's actually a great um, name. I've yeah, never even heard of it. Actually. It's actually a pretty cool podcast. Uh, it, it's an ex-NBA player with, you know, talking to other NBA players. So, I mean, it's a really cool, like, thing that he's doing. So, I mean, shout-out to him. No free shout-outs. But, um, you know, it is pretty cool if you get a chance to listen to it. 
hey, it's all part of the brotherhood. For sure. Um, so let's see. We got that. So the United States women's national team settles the equal pay lawsuit for $24 million. Um, what do y'all think about that? Yeah, fantastic. Finally, these women have been carrying United States soccer for the past, you know, decade now. Um, and they have been, you know, just, you know, obviously they've won World Cups and have been all winning all kinds of tournaments and stuff like that. And you've seen some truly incredible players on the team. So this is more than deserved. And they, uh, you know, they're just going to continue to keep balling. And, and I'm glad we have such an incredible um, product in women's soccer to be able to watch for, you know, years to come. Yeah, and, it, you know, I, and, you know, I obviously haven't followed soccer a ton my whole life. But, you know, the United States women's national team is no joke. I mean, they're studs um, and obviously have been really successful. So, I mean, I think they make a good case and all that with, with the lawsuit. Absolutely. So I mean, they've been, I mean they've, they've they've been better than the men. They've never played. Yeah, exactly. I bet you they could beat the men, right? Yeah, and, uh, exactly. Like you know, obviously that league is a, a little bit tougher, but there's some incredible um, there's some incredible female footballers out there, right? So sure, you know it's it's no slouch. But uh, the women of the United States have put together and and always been you know well represented for our yeah, country for, for sure. Um. We got? Oh, the Commander's Crest finally, finally changes back to the way it should be. Um, they came out on Twitter and Instagram the other day and said, oh, we heard you loud and clear. And I texted y'all and said this. Well, like, well, I'd hope you heard, heard us loud and clear. It was wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I, actually, I actually will sit here and give them a little bit of credit, right? Because I think um, – the way it's been in the past when something like this has come up where they're blatantly wrong, uh, they just defer the blame, say that, you know, we're the ones that are wrong and uh, they're going to keep it right they're, They've just been so hard headed. So I do give them some credit. Um, I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was Jason Wright. Now, I know it wasn't Dan because he would never admit he's wrong. <laughs> but somebody in the organization said, you know what, this is wrong. We need to fix it, and they did. So I do give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I mean, how do you – funny, like you said, Cam's like, yeah, you got it wrong. So, of course you fixed it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> how many years have you played or, you know, been a, uh, you know, a, uh, what's it called? An executive in the building, going to FedEx Field, going to, you know, uh, you know Ashburn and seeing, you know, the park, right? the actual numbers of when you won the Super Bowl and then your new team comes out and it's the wrong years and you're like, what the hell's going on, right? So yeah. it's been over everywhere for the past 80 years that the Redskins have been a team. Uh, or excuse me, I guess it can't be there 80 years, but, you know, since we won in 1991. But, you know, they're they're posted, you know, for the past 30 years there in the field, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it was just a no-brainer. So... Um, so next, a little more on baseball. Joey Gallo comes out yesterday and said he wants to ban the shift. Um, so a couple things on that. I'll start. So the shift, I mean, obviously it's not as extreme it is, it is, as it is now. Um, but we have been shifting people since the beginning of time. Infielders move every play. Outfielders move every play. Yeah. Now, granted, they didn't always have, you know, four people in the outfield like we see sometimes now or 
you know, four people or three people to the left of second base, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's a part of baseball. Um, here's a, here's a thought, Joey Gallo. I'm just, you know, just taking a shot in the dark here. Um, maybe try going the other way. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe try not striking out 120 times a year. Um, and just make some sort of an adjustment, pal. Yeah. Um, I mean, he said, he said, how am I supposed to hit a double or triple with four people, um, in the outfield? Bro, I don't know. Like, but it's part like it's part of the game. You're not the only one in the league that's getting shifted. I mean, Bryce Harper gets shifted just about every at bat and just won the MVP. All right. Yeah, I, so hundred percent agree with you. Exactly. Quit crying and you know, you're a professional athlete, bro. Come on. hundred percent agree. My man is set to make just south of ten million dollars this year. Uh clearly he never played for Coach Hal and took uh had to- <sighs> Two bunts and his, and took his you know yeah and it shows first uh first you know first reps uh you know uh, warming up getting some swings in for the day he didn't have bunts and uh, have an oppo round to yeah. start out right Clear, clearly he's never fouled a ball or uh, yeah fouled, fouled off a bunt and had to run to the foul pole and back That's what I'm saying like <laughs> this this has always bugged me right like if if you know they shift you right and you're mad because you're hitting the ball into the shift hit it the other way right. And then, you know, we've seen these guys in the past, like these lefties, just bunt down the third baseline, right? Bryce Harper does it all the time. I'm Bryce Harper like, does it a yeah, lot. Exactly. Like how many times, you know, if you if you just started hitting the ball the other way a little bit more off, those guys are going to have to adjust, right? And it's just – it's so frustrating. It just – yeah, I'm 100% with you. I mean, you, you make just – like I said, you're going to make just south of – Ten million dollars this year. Hit the ball to left field. Exactly. It be that hard. It should not be that hard. Uh, I will. I will argue that uh, forever. Uh, you you can shift all you want, right? You're a professional yeah. hitter. Uh, make an adjustment, dude. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm with you on that. It's like, hey, Joey Gallo, you want to know how you ban shift? Um, yeah. You exactly. You hit to the other side, right? <laughs> Why are they shifting? Because you're a professional hitter to that side. So guess what? From this, learn what you have to make an adjustment on and practice on. Stop practice hitting to that side of the field and start practice hitting to the other side of the field, and you will ban the shift yourself, sir, because yeah. it's never good in both ways. Yeah, and I can speak from experience. So obviously, when we we in the in our fall seasons and and in practice in the spring, a lot of times we'll inter squad, right? And obviously, our coaches, especially my class, have been watching us hit for four years. They know what we do a lot. And they'll shift us. And trust, trust me, there's no worse like, gut-wrenching feeling than hitting, you know, a 100-mile-an-hour worm bird or ground ball up the middle that's, you know, a base hit usually 10 times out of 10 in a real game. But right. they've shifted, you know, the shortstop or whoever, and he's standing right behind second base and just gets a, an easy one-hop fungo, and you're out by 10 feet at first base. I mean, it's it's demoralizing, but at the same time, you got to make an adjustment. And I just want to – I want to say this, too. Um, Joey Gallo in 2021 played in 151 games, hit 199, had 38 bombs, I will say. So good there. Had 77 ribbies. Guess how many times you struck out? I said 120 earlier, just using that as an example. But guess how many times you struck out? 170. 213 times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. bro, you can't say anything about how I'm supposed to hit a double <laughs> or triple when they're shifting me, bro. When you strike out 213 <laughs> times, if you would put it, it, 
what what's half of two hundred and thirteen? Like a hundred and hundred and seven or hundred and six and a half, whatever. If you put just put the ball in play, a hundred and six of those two hundred and thirteen at bats, forty of them are probably hits. Fifty yeah. of them are probably hits. I mean, no, come man, on, yeah, bro. Exactly. He's got no grip. <laughs> Man needs to work on that two strike approach. <laughs> Choke up, get on. Exactly, that, no, right there. Never, ain't never, ain't never played for Coach Hal, and it shows. Man, choke up a little bit, get on the dish. Come on. Yeah. So that ends that conversation right there, right? That, that <laughs> we 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 can give him a few pointers. So next, <laughs> we'll we'll send him this. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram or whatever. You know, send him this episode so we can help him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, ban the shift. Yeah, exactly, for sure. Like we got your solution for for beating. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, just I mean, you look like a clown saying some something like that. I mean, if he's hitting, if he's hitting, you know, three ten, blah blah blah, and all that, as an MVP race, you know, Mike Trout comes out and says, "I want to ban the shift." It, the conversation's a little different. Right. Exactly. But, but that's the thing. you're not going to see a guy who's as good as Mike Trout because Mike Trout understands that. Exactly. He figures it out. But whatever. All right. Um, Moving on, we got the Formula One stuff. Uh, Gabe, you want to talk about that? So Formula Formula One cancels the Russian GP? Yeah, so with the the tensions rising in Russia, it's, uh, you know, it's a very, uh, you know, sad situation going over there right now. Very scary for the people that are over there. So, um, you know, in, in areas where the sanctions come out, you know, from the United States and, and they're going to be, you know, not allowing certain things or, or what have you in Russia. Um, I'm glad to see these sports um, events pulling events out of Russia right now. And as, as, as we just t- touched about, the Formula One has canceled the Russian Grand Prix for this year. And that is getting pulled um, as well as the champions set to be in St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, and it was announced today that they have pulled that from Russia and now that will be in Paris on May 28th. So, um, good. My man, my, uh, the boys at PSG could have a home fixture for the yeah, title. I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bitter because I, it'll be happening three weeks after I'll be there. Um, <laughs> but, oh, I might have to go back, you know? What I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that, that definitely is exciting that it's getting moved to Paris, but, um, you know, thoughts and prayers and condolences is to everything that's going on 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 that side of the world right now and um i i'm glad that there are these leagues that are uh you know taking action against this and and not allowing these you know special events to be you know to be a part of that yeah um yeah so we got anything else there no definitely definitely crazy um obviously what's going on in the world right now we had a we had a hitters meeting yesterday and um you know our grad assistant the very first thing he opened up the meeting it was just like the news clips and was showing this he was like right. obviously i want y'all i want y'all to understand like how grateful y'all should be that you're, you know you're here playing college baseball and this stuff's going on in the world and just you know basically just showing us like it's easy to forget about all the other stuff that's going on in the world and be you know we need to really be thankful for what you know the lives we have and stuff right now. Amen. America their own issues, but uh, we're very fortunate. We could, we could all, uh, we could all, you know, we could all grow by taking some time to really. Yeah. So, all right. So getting back into some, you know, happier, 
aspects. We'll go. Uh, we're gonna get into the winner and loser of the week segment here. Um, I'll start us off. Got mine right off the top of my head. Uh, I'm gonna go with the University of Lynchburg uh, starting pitcher in Game One. Brandon Pond goes six innings pitched, zero hits, zero runs, um, zero men on base with 12 Ks through six on 80 pitches before getting pulled. Uh, no doubt in my mind, had my man gone nine, he's at least throwing a no-hitter. Um, probably throwing – maybe throwing a PG. But I'm, I'm, I've seen this dude pitch, you know, a hundred times. I used to catch him. And this was the most locked in I had ever seen him. And this was against the number 15th team in the country, Texas Trinity. Um, I believe Texas Trinity is the Tigers or something like that. They might as well change their uh, mascot to the Pirates, but uh, based off the amount of swords that they were waving during that game. I mean, my man, my man Pond was making these dudes look like fools. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Winner of the week, Brandon Pond. Raining Odak picture in Set to, set to have a big year. All right. For my winner of the week, I'm going to bring it home to Virginia. Um, shout out to my man, Adonis Lattimore. Um, Adonis is a senior at Lanstown High School here in Virginia. Uh, he was born um, with no legs, basically. He was born with no right leg and only part of his left leg. And um, he won the Six a state championship for wrestling in the hundred and five pound, excuse me, hundred and six pound weight division. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if you got anything about this at all. Uh, I had, that's awesome. Yeah, I would go look up the yeah. videos. And it's, this dude is incredible watching wrestle. Uh, state championship, you know, with no legs. I mean, shout out to him. Um, you talk about like overcoming, uh, you know, things in your life, and you, you know, it's. It serves a little bit of humble pie, right? When I sit here at, at my house or whatever, and I'm having a rough day, and I kind of want to start feeling sorry for myself, uh, you know, I'm gonna think about this kid, right? I mean, <laughs> like, you know, what a, you know, what, a, what a cool story. <laughs> Gabe, who you got? Um, so I talked about here getting back positive note um and, and part of this is positive and pretty incredible and i saw it today but i'm gonna backtrack it just for a second these um situations going across across the world and my winner of the week is the klitschko brothers um and if you don't know who the klitschko brothers are um they are boxers and they are from ukraine and they have just you know said over the past four hours oh, I, I saw that i saw yeah, this ones who uh you know, that they're going to take arms and fight, you know, for their country. Um, so I thought that was, you know, an absolutely incredible thing to see. Obviously, you know, I'm sure every Ukrainian wants to, you know, get involved and, and help their country. But these guys, uh, you know, it's in their nature to be fighters. And, <coughs> you know, they're going to be gearing up here. And, you know, going to war with Russia is, is something that I was reading over the past 24 hours that is uh, – a remarkable thing, you know, you know, to do. So um, power to them and everybody in this situation that's going, you know, going on with this right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, loser of the week, who we got? I'll go first. I got two of them. I'm going to start first with 
uh, New Zealand women's national team defender Michaela Moore. We had a game. Our uh, our our team, our national team, played them. Uh, I believe it was last week, and Michaela Moore um, had three own goals. (laughs) 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 Tough day at the office. You know, yeah, man. You know, like we got a pretty good team anyway, right? So you're going to need to bring your best if you're going to beat us. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) she she did the opposite. Poor Michaela had three own goals. So 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 tough on her, right? And then um, and then my second one. So this is kind of. I didn't really know if I should give this guy the winner of the week or the loser of the week because I do got to give him a lot of credit. You want to talk about pushing yourself to the limits. A, a uh, cross-country skier from Finland in the Olympics last week suffered a frozen penis during the race. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and so I don't, you know, it seems pretty bizarre to me, right? But so, you know, give him a lot of credit for pushing himself, but <laughs> come on, guy, like, you got, got, got a whole life ahead of you. Got to pull out at some point. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I mean, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I meant so, pull out of the race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so t- tough day at the office for old, uh, for old Remy Lindholm. Tough day at the office. Um, I'll go first. I'll go. I'm gonna go with Cole Anthony in the Timberland boot. Dunk. <laughs> yeah, um, as you said, I mean, man, it took forever to get going, and just, I mean, like, I feel like the idea is there, but the execution is just like, yeah. He's probably sitting there like, damn, I probably should have tried this before. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. <laughs> probably should have broke the temps in before. Yeah. But, <laughs> all right, Gabe, what you got? Um, yeah, so I, I'm going to stick with, with what you're talking about, Kevin. The dunk contest are an overall this year. It was terrible. Um, so, yeah, losers of the week are, are, with a are uh, yeah, it's the dunk contest, man. There's no other option in my opinion. Yep. All right, so next we got the um, lock of the week. I can go first. I got – so Duke – Against Syracuse on Saturday is minus 11 and a half. Um, we beat them by 20 last time. Game is at Syracuse, but um, I think we handled them pretty well as long as we play. Um, also, didn't say the shout out to Duke getting a win against UVA. Um, yeah, I can't believe we didn't talk earlier about this week. Yeah, I forgot about that. I don't <laughs> no, know how we didn't say anything about that, but um, yeah, shout out to them. That was a good game, especially at UVA. It's always a tough game. And Tony Bennett, really cool pregame uh stuff for coach k yeah um shows a lot of class but yeah duke minus 11 and a half point spread against yeah. syracuse yeah i i we didn't talk about that either <laughs> y'all were uh, talking shout- about it in the text yeah, message exactly. all day monday so yeah. you guys got it off you know, your chest and I mean, to add another it. you know obviously such a big win um uh, like we talked about from the last game you know uva style of play we're always going to struggle with them um and they're just they're so well coached uh i mean tony bennett you talk about – I mean, I, there's not enough good things to say about Tony Bennett and the type of man he is, the coach that he is, and super cool tribute there to Coach K. And I don't know if you heard Coach K's comments after the game. He basically was just talking about, like, the ACC as a whole and how much he's always enjoyed coaching in the ACC. Because it, obviously, you have a, the, the brotherhood at Duke, right? But it, it's a it's a fraternity of, of team and people within the ACC. and. Um, you know, it's just it, it's such a cool, you know, such a cool thing to for everybody to be a part of, and um, to kind of see them do that. I mean, that's just that's first class, and I, I wouldn't expect anything else 
um, you know, from, from Tony Bennett. What a, what a good guy, man. Uh, going off that, I'll add my, uh, my winner of the week. Uh, three, sorry, excuse me. Yes, my lock of the week. Uh, number three, Auburn heads to Knoxville on Saturday to play the 17th ranks Tennessee Vols. Um, Auburn obviously has been really good all year. Um, Tennessee has been uh, playing really well here lately, and having that game at home is going to be, I think, big for them. Uh, but I think Auburn goes into Tennessee and gets a big W this week. Auburn's my lock of the week. Well, we, we touched on it briefly earlier. There's no doubt about who my lock of the week is, and that's D.C. United tomorrow at 6 p.m. Audi Field. Who they play? The Washington, D.C., and that's the best part of why it's a lock of the week is they are playing the <laughs> – you know, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. D.C. United, they're playing. That's why it's a lock of the week is because they're playing the brand-new Charlotte uh, football club. And it's their first season, their the first game. The Charlotte Football yeah, Club. The Charlotte Football Club. This is their first season, first game. Um, so, yeah, that based off of how we finished last year and just, you know, the points we were scoring or, excuse me, the goals we were scoring, um, I think we're in for, a, you know, a 3-0, three, 3-1 three nil, three one win tomorrow. Um, so it should be a lot of fun out in Audi Field. Um, I can't wait to get there. Those guys must be Ron Rivera fans, football <laughs> club. I also will say, I'm going to add another winner of the week. Apparently, there's a Ukrainian fighter pilot, um, yes. like, going over Ka- Kyiv or whatever. I can't remember uh, how you say it, but yeah. I guess it's, it's a place in Ukraine. It's the capital or whatever. Apparently, my man has gone one-on-one with a couple Russian fighter pilots, and my man is sitting at 6-0 and right now. <laughs> <laughs> the undisputed dogfight champion of the world at the moment, and they're calling him the Ghost of Kyiv or whatever it's called. This is, is the nickname that they gave him. That's awesome. Yeah, good for him. But um, so what we got next? We're gonna move on to our random category. So our random category this week is the best villains of sports movies um, of all time. So we're gonna go an honorable mention and our top three. So let's start with our um, – we'll do honorable mentions first. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me. Just Let's just start just start at the top because I don't want to – I don't have it. Yeah. All right. Well, my number one is going to be Ivan Drago from Rocky. <laughs> That's a great one. That's a great one. He was definitely on my list. All right. Especially considering the, the circumstances right now, uh, knocking out a big Russian would be would be great right about. Now. Yeah. All, All right. right. What get, else? So I, I have a. I mean, I, I don't think I have any particular order. Um, the first one I'm going to go with is Eddie Martell from ah. the Placements. <laughs> he is the guy that obviously Shane Falco uh, steps in to play quarterback for. Um, maybe never a bigger scumbag than Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, seeing his ass hoisted out of the locker room there uh, during the Dallas game, <laughs> um, is that's one of my favorite scenes of all time. Um, so that, that uh, you know, got to pick him. Scumbag yep. all the way. Um, so, yeah, my number one is going to be the Monstars from Space Jam. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. <laughs> How can, how can you not just absolutely, you know, dominated LeBron, dominated Michael Jordan, right, for a little while there. So, yeah, absolute legends yeah. of the villain world. And 
president. So one of my honorable mentions was Mr. Swackhammer, who's like the head alien of uh, Moron Mountain. But yeah, so my next one is going to be Johnny Lawrence from Mm. The Karate Kid. Great Um, one. Yeah. Just a a D-bag. Gets his nose broke there at the end, but you know, got what he uh, had coming to him the whole movie there. Shout out Daniel LaRusso. That's a great one. My man John Kreese with him right there too. Sweep sweep the leg, John Kreese. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, all right, for my second one, um, I'm going to go to uh, one of my favorite movie series of all time, Major League, specifically to Major League 2, and pick Jack Parkman. <laughs> <laughs> the, big, the big power hitter. Uh, you know, that obviously ends up on the White Sox. Um, you know, what a talk about another scumbag, right? You know, the the, the ladies love his, his thing in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Parkman shimmy is like it makes yeah. the women here in Cleveland yeah. puke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then he changes it up after he's traded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another another great A scumbag. And uh next I'm going with this. I am coming for you, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> John Gerard of the Talladega Knights, an absolute legend, came over here from the Formula Ooh <laughs> to take on the great Ricky Bobby, one of the greatest battles in Talladega history. Awesome movie. I, f- I f- just forgot what of mine. Do y'all have any more? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hit my next one if you want. Uh, yeah, it- go ahead. Keeping with my guy Will Ferrell's movies, the Van Waldenbergs, Strands Van Waldenberg from Blades of Glory, trying to take out uh, Chaz Michaels Michaels in that movie, uh, was a great villain. They tried everything they could, but the Blades of Glory were glorified there. I remember mine. Um, I'm going to go with Spike from Little Giants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I was just—I'm glad you did that. I was about to just say, "Man, Kevin O'Shea." Yeah. <laughs> one town, one one town, one team, baby. Yeah. Yeah, man, what a great movie, man! Yeah. What a great movie. But all right, we got anything? I got one more honorable mention. Uh, if y'all don't hit on it, so if y'all got another one, go ahead and shout I'm it done. out. Shooter McGavin. Yeah, that was gonna be my next one. Yeah. So- I mean, he might—he—he he honestly might be a little undisputed. We're talking about a guy that drove a drove a truck did it was he the one in the movie that drove the truck and hit uh the little... now he wasn't no he wasn't no i mean he's just a jerk but he's but he set it up though pretty much to yeah no yeah you know. no it was behind it but yeah no, he's jerked the entire time so but, yeah that was a good one i like that was, that was probably one of our better always coming for categories <laughs> yeah man eddie martell f you dude <laughs> And Spike. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right. Y'all got anything else for me? Oh, just real quick. This was on uh, Inside Nova as of, I think, like uh, about 9 o'clock this morning. Um, WUSA 9 reports that apparently the commanders are looking at sites in Sterling, Woodbridge, and Dumfries as to uh, possibly build their $3 billion uh, new state. So, Damn. Oh, I will say also, um, saw this on Inside Nova the other day. Shout out to Quan uh, Win, first first year head women's basketball coach at Osborne High School, winning coach of the year in the district. Amen. Amen. Great job. Sight. Um, all right. Anything else? 
I think we're good. Let's go. All right. Yep. Go Hornets this weekend. Big three game series against Dickinson. Take the take the weekend the weekend sweeps. Trying to try to take the weekend sweep. And uh, but yep. Thank you guys as always for listening. And uh, we'll we'll see you guys next week. All right. See you, everybody.